All right, hello and welcome back to another episode of the Sticks Golf Roundtable. Uh, this week it's just the boys. It's just me, Trey, and Rosie, and we're going to talk about the Renaissance Cup. So Trey took a little trip across the pond over to Ireland and played in Tom Doak's kind of a host event. He had, I'm going to let Trey kind of really explain everything, but it's pretty much like the, the pinnacle of golf boys trips. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy, and seriously, it is a great episode, so you need to listen. Welcome back to another episode of the Sticks Golf Roundtable. It's just the boys tonight. It's just Trey, Rosie, and myself, and we are going to recap, or Trey is going to recap, his time in uh, across the pond over in Ireland. So talk to us about Renaissance Cup. All right, yeah, I'll just get right into it. Um, and I also just found out that when we're on the video pod that our screens are on the whole time, so I'm going to try and look a little more presentable than I usually do. I'm usually <laughs> Sitting here chiming in like that, but this is going to be a little more uh, engaged. <laughs> um, yeah, so I went over to, I had a ridiculous run of golf the last, let's say, 10 days. I, uh, I started my, my week in Philadelphia playing with my college teammates, roommates, best friends, and then like an impromptu round at Marion where we, we didn't know we were playing until literally like 11 p.m. the night before. He's just, our buddy Sammy's like, you know what, there's an open time, like we're playing Marion tomorrow. I didn't even bring my clubs Philadelphia. I used rental irons, the assistant pro. I, I, I was pleading my case. He gave me like ping G25s. I was like, dude, this isn't going to work. They're regular flex shafts. Is there anything else you have in here? Is there someone who you know is out of town? You can just yank their... I gave him some backroom chatter and he was like, all right, I got you. And he gave me his driver three wood and two iron. So that was it's nice. very crucial into my enjoyment of that day. And that's, it's just... It's just such an unbelievable golf Wait, Did you course. play with the G20 20 irons? I know. I got I got uh, T100s. Like, we were – Oh, okay. Okay. S300s. Okay. I got very normal irons and wedges. And my good friend Trevor and I both played out of the same bag. But his caddy had, like, a decoy second bag that we didn't touch. That was the G25s, the, just the behemoth irons. But, yeah, we had a great day, and it's just that golf that's, course. That's, that's, that's good because it's, like – you know, you didn't have to, to enjoy Marion. You don't need your own clubs. You don't need great clubs. But the last thing you want is like, if you actually had some regular flex irons and some yeah. dinky cover, like that would actually take away from being at Marion. And thankfully, Absolutely. Yeah. And I was sweating. And we, we ended up with some, with some usable clubs and, and it was just, it was such a cool time. I mean, I've only been out there. I've been out there twice in the last couple of, couple of years. And it's just after the is that number. Is it number one for you? Best, I mean, it's, it is the best one I've ever played for sure. It's probably like second or third on my on my list, but it's definitely. I mean, it's honestly what we're gonna get to. It's probably Palmetto is just that's my favorite place to play golf. Probably that Marion, and then number three for me is now the the place I just played in Ireland, St. Patrick's Links. It was awesome. ridiculous. Um, but yeah, we played yeah, Marion. Marion has a really really cool backstory. Um, the guy who designed it. Hugh Wilson, um, he designed the last four holes at Pine Valley. Really? 
Yeah, so Pine Valley is kind of an interesting hodgepodge of people that designed it. A lot of like five or six different architects had their hands in Pine Valley. It's credited to George Crump, but he was really just a uh, developer that got his hands in it and brought in like an all-star <laughs> lineup of architects, including Hugh Wilson, who uh, Very cool. who did who did Marion. Yeah, that that pro- the property is just so small. I think it's 120 acres, and just the the amount of up and down and just difference in holes. There's, there's holes that are so hard. There's holes that are really easy. Um, and you've got uphill par threes, downhill par threes. The, the super short hole is probably my, is one of my favorites. When you go across, there's not like a traditional turn. You have the ninth hole is uh, a par three and you go up and play a, a, a super short par, par four back down. You actually pass the clubhouse going to 13, uh, excuse me, going to 14. And um, it's just, so fun so cool and the ending it's maybe the toughest finish anywhere it's like a 250 yard par three to a ridiculous green and then 18s like 500 yards it's just 18s 18 18s 18 you mentioned you mentioned the small acreage i know one thing about it it's it only tips i believe at 6900 yards we don't get to see it on tv that often probably because of that right like it's we had the 2013 us open there um, I know they, they're slated to have some U.S. Women's Opens there. Yeah, they have a U.S. Open coming back. I think. And a men's. Yeah. But, so, yeah. So, I guess I guess my question was, um, is there just no room? Like, is it on such a small piece of property that they couldn't stretch it to 71, 7,200? Or do you think they just don't no want way. to touch it because there's it's no so way. good the way it is? Like, there's nowhere to go. They, they, they already kind of – it's just so squeezed in there already. I mean, yeah, there's – I guess there's some spots, but, like, Number one, you'd have to knock down the clubhouse. So you're not doing that. <laughs> Two, you're like, there's a road that goes through it where a lot of the tee boxes and greens kind of end up. And then there's, there's houses. There's just nowhere. There's really nowhere to go. Um, and you wouldn't, you just don't need to. And, and it's going to, it's going to keep getting events. I think it's definitely a victim to just a bunch of really good new courses that are looking for their first major, you know, so it's like a, like a Chambers Bay or a Aaron Hills type place. Like, you know, they're, they've been built in the last, two decades that have never had big tournaments and that's why they're kind of going away from the Marians, but I think they're always going to be in there. And oh yeah. Marion, you know, like a Walker cup, maybe a U.S. amateur yeah. just logistically. Like I couldn't imagine having a U.S. open there. Right. And, and Marion, you know, ultimately it's up to them how often they want to put themselves in that stage. Any championship would love to go there, but they're probably confident and comfortable in their place in the golf world and like keeping their mystique. So they say, Hey, if you only see us on TV once every 10 years, that's, that's the way it is. And yeah, I think that's exactly how they want it. And I think what it really boils down to is, is those clubs are run by groups of members. And and once one of them does it, once you have a huge event, you're like, all right, we can, this can leave an impact on our membership for the next couple of decades, probably. And then at that time, all the younger members have been hearing stories about it. And then they're like, all right, it's finally our time to do it. So that's probably how it works in cycles. And also, I mean, the USGA has so many places to go. It's the list the list is getting bigger. And just because they're at the top of the list doesn't mean, you know, like they, they don't have it at Oakmont any more frequently than they have it at Marion. Um, and it's Oakmont's long and probably harder. So, yeah, um, I was just thinking about like, you know, I, I got to play wing foot and that's like in your mind, like, oh, that's a US open course. But if you look at it, it's only there like once every 15 years. Yeah. Like, it's same not, as yeah. You know, and that's kind of the same boat. Marion, I think of, like, it, keep, it keeps that mystique and that tradition and that 
feeling of being a USGA, US Open venue, even if we don't really see it that often. And it's also, it's ranked ahead of all, of, pretty much all of those. So, oh I'm yeah, figured. I think it's, it's usually comes in around number five. Yeah. yeah. I, I kind of have it in my mind as number five in the US. Yeah. I always usually, think of Crooked Stick when you like think of like a, a US Open that likes never there. Like look, look back at like uh, John Daly. I don't know why. That was a PG. I, I, I know. I know it was. I just don't. I don't know why cricket. Maybe it's not cricket stick. Maybe it's. I'm thinking of different. Of course, but uh, yeah, yeah. Was traditional. But anyway, um, so that was incredible. That was probably one of the most enjoyable impromptu rounds of golf I've ever had. So big hats. Yeah, off. I mean the imp- impromptu factors. Yeah, <laughs> I, I knew we might. We were gonna maybe play golf, and I was like, I'll just rent clubs and drink, and then we're like, Mary, I was like. Give me some irons, <laughs> but it was, it was a good time. And then, so I hopped on a, a, a flight back down to Florida and the next day was off to uh, the Renaissance cup. So let's, let's get into that. What an incredible week it was. Just so what is the Renaissance cup? Let me tell you. Okay. So Renaissance golf is Tom Doak's design construction, all, all encompassing golf course building operation. And, uh, and so they host whenever they build a golf course. He's done this 29 years in a row. They have a basically a, a, a soft opening to their close friends, and it's it's a, basically the the invite list um, is is past and future clients, which are people who are looking to build co- courses or people who have built courses, um, and a, lot, a bunch of people who have built has built courses uh, with recently were there. And then some people who are like, oh, yes, we're, we have something for 2026. And we're just like, and stuff that we're going to hear about in, in probably 10 years once they finish it. Um, so that was that was interesting meeting those people. And then it's a bunch of people who build his courses. So you have shapers, architects. We have like the guy who digitally mapped the Lido for fun and then gave it to Tom Doak to rebuild. Like he was there. So it's just like kind of people in that, like the actual shaping and construction world. So it's like guys just that are on dozers all day. This is like their reward, essentially. It's like their week off. Um, and then it's a bunch of golf writers and media people. So that's why, like, uh, like we met Eric Anders Lang. He was there. Michael Crowley was awesome. He writes a bunch for Golf Journal. He did a great piece on Doke. Um, and so it's it's this like a just a big gathering of Doke's friends. I was there with as a guest. I was not invited. I was I was a plus one until the <laughs> name was sent in. But um, it was incredible. So basically, what he does is you stay there for three days. You play as much golf as you want. So first day is practice round. We played 27 holes. Second day is it's a match play tournament. So let me back up. It's two man teams. You it's you can either go into a random team, a random partner pool, or you can come with a partner. And it's everything. Everyone plays straight up. And it's nine hole match play. First day is best ball. Second day of the tournament is alternate shot if you make it that far. But like so for half the field, the the, the tournament aspect of it is over after nine holes, which is brutal. But that's just the way it is. <laughs> And everyone's playing at, at, at scratch. So like their first match, we played a couple of guys who were probably like eight and 15 handicaps. And like, we're, we just made five pars and one, <laughs> like it's, it was, it, but at the same time, like everyone was there for different reasons. Like, yeah, like we were there to play well and maybe try and win, but we got the same level of enjoyment as the guys who are there just to just marvel at the golf course. And like one of the guys we played only had eight clubs in his bag. Like he was not there to shoot a low score. He was there to hit, these oh. handcrafted Japanese irons that he had, that he, you know what I mean? Like it's that level of like that type of, of people who play golf, who are just purely in it for like a different type of enjoyment is that than we are, which is, which is awesome. 
so the the guys like for instance that lose their first nine hole match and they're out they obviously keep playing right like they don't just like sit yeah. around it's, it's a big social atmosphere so yeah. you play like like there's a open bar in the middle of the course with a burger stand and like you can just it, you're on your own schedule it's very like once you're out of the tournament do whatever you want so like everyone's just linking up like oh we, we meet at dinner like let's go play tomorrow and it's it's just a it was such a welcoming environment and people were just like people would just come up to me and say hey like what are you doing in all this? <laughs> like, and that's kind of what we just, you'd start there and you just would start talking to people. It was great. Um, but yeah, so we, we play, we get there for the practice round and uh, super tired that the journey there was ridiculous. We flew from Palm beach to Atlanta at night, overnight into Dublin, woke up at like seven or 8am on the tarmac. And then we drove four hours to a different golf course, played nine holes, then drove to the, the place we were staying, a resort, Rosa Pena, um, on that was that was the, the night before the practice round. So we like we we come out just dead tired, and I you can kind of see like there's photos of this golf course, but it it's almost so t- like you don't even know what you're looking at because there's just so much going on with the dunes and the contours and the ocean, and so like I didn't really know what to expect. And you get there, and it starts you off in this like. It's almost it's just like these walls of dunes next to you. You're playing down in these kind of like it's almost like you're in the a canyon and you're playing a golf hole at the bottom of it. So you can't really see anything around you. And then you play one, two, three is a part three, and you you play it that sits on this little perch and you walk up this last little dune and it just comes out and it's just like you can see like 14 golf holes, islands in the distance, mountains, just the ocean. It was unbelievable so that was like right we, like i was still so tired and we just walked up to that i was just like wow like this was it was shocking to me that was kind of the biggest takeaway is like the scale of the golf that you can build i'd never seen i've never seen banded dunes i've never seen like even stream song i guess could be a comparison like where it's just rolling hills just nothing but just pure scenery around you and just incredibly interesting golf holes in front of you it, it was just ridiculous so yeah we play that we play the practice round go out and play nine more and then we have our first dinner so we go to this it's like an open bar like social people are just drinking before there's this massive like feast laid out for us and there's no direction so like it was very like like there's there's general direction it's just like dinner 7 30 here and like you don't have there's no seating assignments like a lot of people know each other but a lot of people don't so you're all kind of in the same boat it's it's really funny how like how short of a time period it goes from you feel like you know nobody in the room to you're like oh look there's Doug, look what he's doing. You know what I mean? And everyone's like, oh, we know. Yeah. And like, you know, 24 hours ago, all of you were just kind of standing around like this. You know, it's, it's, it was, it was a great time. And uh, yeah, we, we go to the, we have the dinner. We just kind of sit next to who you sit next to and just hear their story. And it was, it was just, just so fun. And we ended up sitting with the guys we played the practice round with, who one of them was wearing a UVA hat and lives in Charlottesville as a member at Birdwood. So that was. Oh. <laughs> The first guy I meet, he's like, hi. I'm like, where do you live? He's like, Charlottesville, Virginia. I'm like, sweet. Was there last week. I can't wait to see who I'm going to meet. You know, it's going to be a, it's all these people from all over the world. And it's just. Like, <laughs> it's like Dusty's, Dusty's next door neighbor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get all the way there and it's Dusty's next door neighbor. Exactly. I, I definitely want you to get into kind of like your run in the like actual event itself. But yeah, I know. But um, before that, I am eager to yeah. know what you thought of Andrew, Eric Anders Lang, because I feel like yeah, he's tell you about him, man. Character. Yeah, he's such he's such a character, and he uh, we he was like I like saw him in in the in like the halfway house beer tent. This is on the 
second day. So I'd seen him at dinner. Like I didn't say anything to him at dinner. I was like, Oh my God, like, can't believe that guy's here. Like, I don't know. Like a, I, I like respect the hell out of his work, but like, you know, I just, I want to be making that stuff. And so he's almost like in my head, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make stuff that's better than him. So I kind of like, built up like, Oh, I'm probably not going to like this guy just so I can just for motivation. And, uh, and like, yeah, like I, he like, I just was getting a beer with him the, at the turn. I was like, Hey man, like, so I'm a huge fan of your work. Like I I'm also trying to make golf films. And he's like, Oh, like, no way. Like, let's talk about that. I'm like, Oh sweet. And he just walks away. I was like, probably be the last I talked to him. And then we get to the dinner and he just sits with me at dinner and we just talk about our company and what we're working on all this stuff for two and a half hours. And I was like, damn it, man. He's like, he's pretty cool. <laughs> he was like saying a bunch of great stuff. And so, yeah, he was, he was fantastic. And he was just telling us, he was just kind of funny. And we, we were kind of like the, we had, we sat at a good table for, for that conversation. Cause we were like all, we, we were with a group that we were all sort of guests of guests basically. Mm-hmm. And so it was like Eric and his buddy who was a guest of him. So he was like a, he was a guest of a guest of a guest, which is, you know, not a lot of clubs allow that, but <laughs> um, he was, he was cool. And then we had another, a guy who had uh, written about dope, but he was there by himself. So we had, a, we had like a nice little uh, table and then another, another future client. So it was, it was cool to see all the perspectives of like the people who are paying to have a course built, the people who are actually building it, the people who are deciding if it's any good or not. And then I was just kind of there taking it all in. And it was, uh, most of the time what I was, cool, what am a I cool doing? mixture of people? Like, like you said, they, they do all sorts of different things, but the common thread is they're all super passionate about golf. I mean, live, breathe, eat golf, you know? Insane. I mean, like, I met, we, we got to know this guy, Tom Dunn, who, who's the editor of a magazine called McKellar, which is a golf architecture quarterly. Uh, I think they're quarterly or maybe they're, they're biannually. It's like a super high end magazine. He was, he was super, super smart. And just like, just the way like those guys like study golf, it's like, you don't even have to be, and it's, it's, it's so true. Even like, like with Tom Doak is a great example. You don't have to be skilled at golf to find like the same level of fascination with the game. So it's like, it's hard to quantify, but you have these people who are marveling over like a technique on how to shape a green the same way that like we watched Dustin Johnson hit a seven iron. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. There's people there like that are so into golf clubs and like, they're like the only reason they're there, they travel the same distance with the same eagerness as I did just to hit, you know, a, a classic, persimmon head on a proper links golf course and that just oh. that's just it and i'm like wow like this is a cool such a cool thing to be able to just experience along with people and it was it was great so yeah, the the actual tournament tom you asked me about that yes. so we, we yes. easily won our first couple matches like no no knock on the guys we were playing like the first day so it's you play the front nine you have a match you eat lunch you play the back nine match and then that's it um and the second day you you just play until you're out and so it ends up being 27 holes if you win and um gosh first round we won easily the second afternoon we won easily i only made one bogey on for the whole round and it was on the 10th hole and i three putted from like 15 feet and so i really didn't i barely made a bogey and so like anyway like the course is hard and like it's links golf and so like if you're playing two like five to 10 handicaps, like they're just not going to beat even par. And so like we were best ball, like I think two under for 18 holes. And we just, we won four and three on both of them. And then we go out in the morning and we, we make a prayer of a bogey in the first hole to have the first hole. <laughs> I hit it like a mile into this, into the stuff and we make bogey. 
And then we win that match four and three. So we like kind of cleaned up our act immediately and won a few holes in a row. And then now we go to the afternoon and we just did not get off to a good start. We were three down through through three or three down through four. And we made, I mean, we had, I think, I think the worst halved hole I've ever seen or been a part of, but unfortunately was a part of, we had, those guys were almost in their pocket. They were, it, it was almost like they were playing out the hole just, just cause they had to. And we, <laughs> it's like a 460 yard par four. They hit it, lost ball immediately off the tee into the hay, which the hay out there was a joke. If you hit it in there, it's like dangerous to even look for your ball. Like, it's like, you can just step into a spot. You're just waist deep in moss. And it's like, you can't. <laughs> is it like gorse or is it like high? Head? Fescue that's, that's, that's growing to about knee high, but it's growing like this far off the ground because it's sitting on moss. So like you step on the grass and it just like, it's like, it's weird. And some of it's like hard sand. So like, you just don't know where you're going to be. If you hit it in there, you can either have an okay lie or you can't even look for your ball. So it's like. <laughs> Depending on where you like, in between the mound, if you're up on a mound, you're fine. Between the mounds, you can't even walk around it. The shapers were telling me, not the shapers, but one of the one of the consultants was telling me that when they were walking this course for the first few times, like looking where they're going to put some new holes, it was it was waist deep. It was like they said it was like walking through four feet of snow. So that's what you that's what you're hitting your ball into. So they they hit one in that. They don't even look for it. Provisional. Next one off the tee, and I hit it. 335 down the middle. We have 130 yards and the green is, and we're playing against the guy who built this green, by the way, we're playing the guy who built this green and it's a ridiculous Tom Doak green, like two (laughs) tiers, the pins on this front tier. And it has, has like a false front on the, has a huge slope on the front, huge slope on the side. It's just sitting like ridiculous pin position and you can roll it off the other side and it's kind of sitting like this. And so my partner Rod hits it it leaves it short. So now I I'm in front of the slope. I chip it doesn't get up the slope. And now rod putts, it doesn't get up the slope. And that's, what's so hard about alternate shot is like, I never would have done that twice in a row and neither would he, but if you haven't done it yet, it's like, you just don't know how hard you actually have to hit it. And so like, I kind of like, I miss hit my chip and had no chance. Like he had a good putt. It got, it almost stopped, came all the way back. And so now I have to hit this putt again. Now we're hitting our third putt from 45 feet from the hole after both of us just doing it up the slope and I hit it like almost off the back, we three putt and we end up tying the hole with seven. They make seven. We make seven. And Tom Doak is, st- is watching our match and just laughing his head off. Like he, I was like, did you just have a seven. He's like, he just laughs. He's like, you did. Yeah, you did. And, <laughs> and the guy who built the green was laughing. It was, it was, it was such a cool moment to like, I don't know. Like that, that's just what they wanted to see. And like, I don't know. It, it was, it was, it was great. But anyway, we're three down and we, we lose it. We, we, we battle back a little bit. We, we get it back to two down with four holes to play. It's like 120 yard par three. I step up, hit it's like four feet and they hit it over the back of the green and it's like 45 feet and they step up and make it Clyde another oh. green, another, another green. He just shaped himself, makes a 50 foot putt on us, 45 foot putt on us. And then, uh, and Rod did not, did not slide in the birdie. And so we ended up, that's how we lost. We were down, we were just three down, three to play and lost. So that was, that was it, but we didn't even play bad. We just kind of got unlucky. And when you're three down, when you're three down in a nine hole match, like what can you do? You know, it was, it was, it was brutal, but yeah, we lost. And then we watched the final, which was cool. The whole tournament just walks along with these, these guys. And uh, it was, a, it was kind of a beating the, uh, the ultimate guys who won mm. they got them in like six holes. And so, 
yeah, but it was just a, it was such a communal experience and we were just, it was like a, it was like an, like a film premiere. That's what it felt like. It was like a unveiling yeah. of, of, of art. It was just like everyone there was there just because they're such a huge fan of what this, this guy does. And he's just saying like, here it is. Like it was what I've created. Yeah. That was actually a question I had. You mentioned Tom Doak was watching you guys play at one point yeah. there towards the end. So what is his, yeah, like you mentioned sort of the communal experience of this. Is Does it feel like he's the center of attention, though? Like this is his showcase? Or is he more just kind of like... Not really how he is. Guy. Like he's he's kind of in the background, but he's also running it. Like, And he all, the way he described it is like, it's actually a very tight, it's like a very small event. It, it's only, it, was, it was 80 people, which is not very big for how many golf courses he's built. And all like is basically is what he says, many friends as he has, like he, he said, he's like everyone. And the reason he keeps it so small is he's like, this is for our friends. This is for people we want to spend time with when people want to hang out with. He's like, if it's any bigger than this, I can't get more than like 10 minutes with each of you. And that just sucks. So like, yeah, like he was like, he had breakfast with us one morning. We, when we saw him the first night, like he immediately came over and like said, Hey, welcome. And like, he was there and like hosting for sure. But he was, he was just spending time with everyone there. And it was very casual. Like it wasn't like a, Ooh, like I hope I can get to go talk to him. He would just be like standing next to you and you just start bullshitting about whatever you guys were looking at. And it was, it was, it was cool. Like he came and watched, he probably watched like six or seven of our holes of, of our matches. And then it was, yeah, it was great. I think it's so cool that he does this every year because you know, I mean, he, he might be the most sought after golf course architect in the world. Mm-hmm. And he finds a way to carve out, you know, he just says, look, I'm jet setting all over the globe, but I'm carving out, you know, half a week to a week every year to get together with my friends and do this cup. And uh, I think that's, that's so cool. Yeah. And he keeps like a, he keeps it with different people every time, which is, which is, I will, you know, I'm just trying to get another invite. That's, this would be incredible, but that's uh he keeps it like he basically when he gives it he gave a speech the second night and basically told the whole story of the place being built from like you know eric lang has a phenomenal piece on this course i watched it a couple of times i watched it after i played the course just so i could see where they were driving around but um that he that tells the whole story of the place really well i won't go into that but he gave a speech basically about how you know he went from this being a maybe an idea in 2013 to where they are now and just the whole give a few funny anecdotes through there but yeah, he was he was basically saying like this is the only time like when you build a golf course it's like a it's like you're building a freeway you just you go where the where there's no freeway so it's you don't you never stay in the same place and so the, the crews are all changing he's like this is the only time we can have everybody back here just to, you know as a final hurrah about you know all right we did it so it was a lot, mostly a lot of people that, that that were involved in that specific project but he he made he made everyone raise their hands and say who's first time who's been to like you know more than five less than five so he gave he gave kind of like gauge the room he's like all right great that's like a great um you know he's like i always want new faces here that's what this is all about and so that's kind of what i like the yeah i like the image you painted that it's kind of i think of like quentin tarantino putting on a private screening of a new film yeah. for 80 exactly. of exactly. you know, respect <clears throat> his work and you know film like this is kind of dope's version of that i think that's exactly cool. what it felt like it was it was i just felt like lucky to be there and it was it was just kind of taking it all in as, as it came. And it was, it was a really cool experience and we played some good golf. And then we, the last thing we did in the trip, which was, which was in true Eric Lang fashion, random golf club, we played with like a 15 ball and we were playing like alternate shot on a couple holes. We played our own ball and it was, we were just like hitting shots. And so you could, it was, it was so much fun, but we played with like, it was Eric and his buddy 
Um, and then the, this guy, Akbar, the guy who started Seamus Golf. And then it was everyone who shaped, like it was all the shapers and one of the guys who owns the course. And it was just, it was, it was incredible. We just, it was so much fun to, to play with that many people. And all, we were all just walking around in one big circle, talking to each other. It was, it was, it was great. Was that your first links golf experience? Have you been first links golf? The yeah, UK? it's so much more fun. It's so I, we got to do a whole segment on that. I mean, I already want to go back and play more. It's like it's just so much more fun. Like the golf ball just doesn't stop rolling. I I tell you, <laughs> it's I got I got to play. Um, I was actually I just Google mapped it before we got on. I was only about an hour fifteen from where you were uh, in twenty seventeen. I got to play Royal Port Rush and Royal Port Stewart. Uh, Port Rush ha- hosted that uh, Open Championship that Shane Lowry won about two years after I was there, and um, it was so cool, man. Because I was playing with a college golf teammate of mine who's from over there, and I was visiting him. That was the point of the trip, and you know he always kind of laughed at us, and I never really got it back in the day. We were all obsessed with numbers, right? Like how long is this course? How far is the shot? And he. Finally, you know, he said to me when we were, I asked how long is the, the course we're playing today? Like, we were about to go play Port Rush. And I was like, how far is it? And he's like, it doesn't matter. And I was yeah, like, what do you mean? He's like, you'll see. He's like, You're welcome to, like, this is how we play golf. It's and so I fun. immediately knew what he meant because you play so much more by sight and feel because the combination of the wind and the firmness you you just you're forced to imagine this looks like a running seven iron or this looks like a lofted wedge that i'm gonna land 20 yards short and let it bounce and roll off mm-hmm. like first of all we just didn't have range finders with us that day and there's no sprinkler heads anywhere and you just get really comfortable and embrace the feeling of just playing by feel and it's actually really cathartic and really cool and i'm sure you had some of that as well it's like a spiritual experience you were just like it was just so much fun to hit shots because no matter if you hit a perfect shot or a terrible shot it could end up completely different than how it should or how it might have it was like the ball just rolls around you have to just stand there and watch your golf ball for a lot longer which i think is a lot of fun and you can like taking if you have bermuda grass that's just lush and watered if you hit a shot that lands on the front, you know, just short of the green, it's probably going to thud and then bounce forward and that's it. And that's just boring. Like you could hit a pitching wedge on, on a Lynx golf course that lands short of the green and it could go over the back left. You know what I mean? Like it's, there's just, it's, I don't know how to describe I, it. You have yeah. To and I'd be, I mean, I feel like I have to mention that this is really, you know, and speaking of Tom Doak, I mean, this is why Bandon Dunes is such a big deal and what they did by bucking the trend and around 2000 yeah. by going with a true, I mean, so many courses over the years in America have said they were Lynx golf and they really weren't. Oh yeah. And, you know, Tom Doak built Pacific Dunes, which was the second course at Bandon. And it's really, it really has started <laughs> to borrow a word from, uh, from Doke, you know, it started a renaissance in America where every great golf course in the last 20 years, like if they weren't built on sand, on firm conditions, they were, you know, they were trying to, like, that was the idea. That's the goal. Everyone wants to go back to that original feel of the game, which is that 
that running game, that field game. And uh, we're starting to see more and more of it in America. They're finding ways to make it happen. Just even in places yeah, where their heads out of the ground. That's all you yeah. have to do. Just don't water and, the ground as much. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we need to care less about if you want to play that way and have fun with that style of game, you've got to accept that you're going to play like burnt out brownish looking fairways, but it'll be more fun. Like we need to stop, probably need to stop caring so much about lush green conditions because those create soft fairways and take that. It's even like, that, uh, just, you have to, like think, even the way you have to think about playing is so different. Like the, the bunkers are almost as a rule, just entirely a hazard. So like, over here the bunkers are perfect and so like, you don't even you don't even really think about oh like you even like one of like oh there's a bunker over there like i'd rather miss in the bunker like over there you're like anywhere but the bunker like it, they don't like most of them aren't raked most of them are just like like i stepped in a bunker to hit a 50 yard wedge shot and i sank this far into the sand and it was just because it was just sand that had blown up into this like hill it wasn't even a bunker it was just was sand and so like it's such it's so much harder to hit out of the bunkers and so like you have to just think so much more about where you're not trying to be basically i think links golf is like if you're drawing it on, on a yardage book so much of it is just green or check marks or whatever you would annotate your, your yardage book and there's just like a couple little spots where like it's double bogey double bogey double bogey lost ball like you just can't be there and so it's so much about just like almost any shot is fine if you're not in this these couple spots and that's what's just so much fun like you can hit just average golf shots all day and play pretty darn good as long as you don't hit it in these just terrible penalty spots, which is like, I don't know. And it's, it's the combination of that and how it's just built into the land. Like something someone pointed out to me, I can't remember who it was. We were playing a hole and there's a mountain in the distance. And they're like, do you notice how the entire, all the contours of this hole, how you see it on the horizon exactly match the mountain in the distance? And it did. And I have a video of it. I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to touch on that in like the video I'm going to make, but like stuff like that, like that, that's all done by architects, but I don't know. You just don't see stuff like that. It, everything is so manicured over here. And, but a lot of places it needs to be the site for this golf course was a joke. So that's, that's a big factor. We just have the, the land movement yeah. and the interesting land that you need. Um, and a lot of places. And there's nothing, yeah. To, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a beautiful lush bent grass golf course, but to get that style of play that, that we're talking about, you know, we have to sort of let go of some of our preconceived yeah. notions about what a golf course should look like sometimes. So <clears throat> Renaissance uh, event aside, favorite part about Ireland? Oh, dude. I mean, truly just like the golf, like just how I've felt walking the golf course. It was just. Yeah. Really good. I was really hoping you were going to say Guinness. Dude, the, Guinness the Guinness is really good. It was better. That is not. A, yeah, that is not a that is not folklore. That is not a miles better. Really, miles better. Truly tastes better. It's amazing. Yeah. I was drinking a lot. Of, I drink shovel Guinness. It was, uh, it was good. Yeah. I mean, it, like the food was good. I, it just was like, but you were pretty much on, pro on the resort property, right? Like you probably didn't get to experience or well, we went downtown. We went to a, we went to a different pub. Okay. But, good. Yeah. It was good. Good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd like to, that's somewhere I'd like to go spend like three weeks and just take it all in for real. Can you uh, remind me because I'm a little hazy on the history of this property um not not to go in like a deep dive but this was was wasn't this a 36 hole facility and then when doke came so in I'll give you like the version of it yeah so rosa penna the hotel and they have they have 36 holes there they have a a 
Old Tom Morris that's been there since Old Tom Morris. And they have an, another one they built in like 2005 or maybe 2003. So early 2000s. And so it's, it's the oldest golf resort in the world. It opened in 1865. There's been a golf course and a hotel there. And so like that's, that's Rosa Pena. And then what was a mile down the road was what's now St. Patrick's. St. Patrick's links. Like that's the logo. It was St. Patrick's and it was a different, there was 36 holes of a completely boring, like bad golf course, basically. And some old, some other family owned it. They were going to have it redone by Nicholas course design in like 2007 financial crisis hits that land goes bankrupt. It goes into like state trust. The, the current owners of Rosa Pena not the, they didn't haven't owned it since 1860, whatever, but the people that bought it in like the eighties, they purchased this land out of essentially um, uh, bankruptcy or what, what's it called? Mm-hmm. Uh, foreclosure. They bought it super cheap, not knowing what they were going to do with it. But because a golf course already existed there and it's smack on the ocean, like you can walk off of the golf, off of a green onto the beach. It's like on the ocean, this land, because it was already a golf course, it's it's grandfathered into previous laws because there's now a new EU, um, you know, sanctions that you cannot do anything with coastal land. So like you can never build another golf course in Ireland on the ocean, but because this was already a golf course, they were allowed to do it. And so then Doak was able to come in and do it. And he was, he was on board. That was, they bought that in 2013 and he was there within weeks, like a couple of weeks of them buying the property. And, uh, cause he, he had met them years back when he was doing his travels um writing his books but yeah that's that's the story of it and they built it and they, it opened like just over a year ago and it's just ridiculous it's the 55th ranked golf course in the world and it's been open for a year um wow. that's absurd that's absurd yeah when more people see it it'll, it'll i mean it's i can't imagine a better golf course can't imagine <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, your, I, that's your number one officially now i mean no it's not but it, like it it's it, yeah it's like number three like that's yeah I mean, I could, I could play there for 20 days in a row easily. Right, right. I can say that at a lot of places, but like that genuinely, like I'm sure you can get bored of, you know, Ron and or Marion at the end of the day, but that place is so, it, it's like, so it's so like, it's like sensory overload. Like you can't stop just like looking around like, Oh, like that's an incredibly interesting looking dune I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Or like, I, I don't know. The land is just so, ri- so rugged and so rigid. And then like, there's two just insane reveals that, mm-hmm. that happen in the course. You kind of forget the oceans there for a couple couple of holes, and you just come up the hill, and it's just like wow. You can see for like it looks like forty miles. It's, it's so cool. I want to go over there so bad. I've never yeah, been. Have to, have to go back there. I just I just have to. I have to go at some point. Yeah, we, we're we're definitely. I mean, like we play golf with the. We're gonna we're gonna go. We're gonna we definitely can go. Um, well, before we get done with the pod, I want you to talk about how you babysat today. Oh man, I didn't even babysat. <laughs> I just caddied it. I just caddied hard uh, as a, as a partner. I played in a. So no. So before before you tell the story, as good players, do you ever like like when you get invited to play in like a in like a four four ball best ball tournament? Do you have like a certain like like God damn it, I don't want to go do this with like a bunch of people that like don't that, like aren't very good at golf because. I've gotten to the point now where it's like, if I'm not really good friends with you and you ask me to play, like, I'm just going to say no. Cause I have no interest in like, I'm in the same boat, Mr. Crow. I'm in the same, yeah. boat. I refuse to play them. I refuse, but I played today just because our, uh, our fantastic investor asked me to. And so we're really good friends. And so I said, yes. And, uh, but what happened was we, we didn't even play together. 
<laughs> so he pulled company, a little bait and switch on you. A little bait and switch. And the <laughs> the company has a four four person team. Okay. And so it was uh, our head pro's wife who played golf at JMU, Shabril Durko. Fantastic. It was her and Johnny on in one twosome and then myself and my partner named Rob. And Rob, the first thing he says to me, he goes, hey, man, how much golf do you play? I was like, a lot. Quite like, a bit. I was like, a pretty good amount. And he's like, I'm like, why? He's like, I haven't played golf in 20 years. And I was like, <laughs> here, Rob. What? And, he, and so I don't. And I also, at this point, don't know that we're not playing with the person who invited me. And so what the deal was, it, it's a shamble tournament. So it's two two-man shamble. They split your foursome up and they randomly pair. It's like a network. It was a networking thing for business leaders in, in Hampton Roads. It, was, it actually was a nice time. But um, they just randomly pair you with another twosome from a different company. And so we just get sent off with people who also looked like they hadn't played golf in 20 years. And so now it's just me and like three people I don't know. One of them has only told me he hasn't played golf in 20 years. And so I'm just like, all right, dude, like, I got it. <laughs> what, <laughs> like, it. What drastic days of golf you just had. And so what yeah, I love to do in situations like this is like, not that I'm incredibly impressive, but like, I don't tell people anything about, like, I just don't say anything. Like they ask me, oh, you play golf? Yes. Okay. Yes. Like I play golf. And that's all I tell them. And I hit a few shots and then they just are losing their minds. And it's just so much fun. And so like, he was just fired up out the gates. And so He's getting 24 shots because he just, he's like, I haven't played golf in 20 years. I don't even know what my handicap would be. And they gave him 24 pops. Okay. And so we're playing shamble, which is where we both tee off also known as I just tee off. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get to play, you get to play uh, your own ball from, from the best tee shot. So he basically got to play his own ball from my tee shots. We're playing the white tees at Cedar point, my home golf course. And so he's getting 24 pops from my tee ball. So he's like, just, he just starts hammering. Like first hole, he makes bogey. I'm like, all right, not bad. Like little five for four to start. And, and it was like, that's gonna be nice. We can do a few of those. And he just got hot on the five for, or excuse me, four for threes. Like he was, he was making four from my, from, from 65 yards. Like it was his job. I mean, we, we just crank off five birdies in a row on his ball. I'm just loving it. Cause like I was, I was a little like salty. I'm like, I'm gonna have to, I basically was caddying for the whole group. Like I was like running down people's balls up. Like I was like telling, I told him how far every part, all like the holes were. And it was just, I was caddying and playing and, uh, and, and we just had a great time. We shot 1600 part. Watching him do that, like saved your day. Like, I mean, he made three, four for twos, three, four for twos. Something to root for, something to get excited about. I'm sure you're loving and I kept, I kept telling him because he just like, he wasn't that bad, but like, he would like top tee balls. Like he would have bad shots where he would have ultimately probably be 20, 30 over par. But like, I was just driving it good. And so like, like I would just drive it green side. And I, like one hole where he was getting two shots, we had 72 yards. <laughs> how, how hard is it to make five from 72 yards, folks? Five for three. Thank you. <laughs> Tom, Tom alluded to this, like the, the disparity from where you were to the, it's like, you went from playing with guys who eat, sleep, live golf to guys yeah, who were like, I dude. think I played in the 90s once. I don't know. It was, it was such like a, I had a couple of buffer days, but it was like, I'm like, I thought about, I actually had thought about that within the first three holes. I was like, I really just played two top 100 courses just at my mercy for the last, for five days in a row. And then now I'm just, now I'm doing this, but it was, it was, it was a good time. And we won, <laughs> we won the whole thing because our, we shot, we shot 16 under and our, our investor Johnny and Shabril, who used to be a pro, they shot 14 under. So we shot 30 under par combined, and people were not having it. They were pissed. 
They weren't really pissed. No, I, they were just like, that's absurd. I went through a phase where I would get invited to these scrambles, and uh, it's easy to, um, you know, and you're playing with three people who can't break 90, maybe maybe even can't break 100, and um, it's easy to just get annoyed by that or not. But I've I've learned, you know, in the corporate world, like I've learned to embrace it and just become everybody's caddy, like you said, yeah, everybody's exactly. champion, and just like try to help everyone have a good time and play well. And like, you're not going to win. We're going to shoot nine under just you know and finish seventh out of 12 teams but who cares like have a have no that was my attitude i was i was more just like i was just kind of bummed out that like literally from like when i arrived this morning had the breakfast i was thinking it was going to be playing with me two people i know and like a lot and then our 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 fourth who was my partner who ended up being fantastic we would have had a great day but it was more just the fact that like out the gates i was paired with three people i didn't know and none of them could hit the ball i was just like i got a, I got a hot oh, text from training he's like you're not gonna believe this yeah, i was like what is happening <laughs> he's like god damn it like, I'm so <laughs> yeah, mad. I'm stuck. and i was basically like i was like i never would have agreed to this if i knew this is the case <laughs> like here we are and then once we started playing good i was just like this is great this is, this is yeah. the best yeah with we're fine they just were just beginner golfers and so it was just like it sounds so sounds so condescending like it's not yeah. it's not even that it's just i just wasn't expecting it and i didn't agree right. to it and i was just like oh but it was still a great day and we won and i got a fantastic breakfast dinner free drinks what i mean i'm i'm yeah. i'm saying i'm singing a very sad tale over here but it was great it was yeah great. i was sitting in a cute Malar golf shirt look at that <laughs> team, team shirt oh beauty the chairman's cup why not one, I have the cup. <laughs> well, I think everybody, including us, that's going to listen to this pod is very jealous of you. And, and so I uh, guess we'll just kind of end it there. Fuck you, Trey. I'm really, I'm really, really jealous Back of you. Yeah, no, it was, it was such a great experience. I mean, I'm, I was just so lucky to be there. Thanks to, uh, to our, our friends at High Point Golf Club. And that's all we'll say about that. Yes, sir. All right, boys. Thanks for, well, thanks for sharing it with us. Absolutely. Gentlemen, I will see you in the later time of this week, and uh, y'all have a lovely evening. Sounds good. See ya.